Welcome to What's With These Homies Talking About Weezer. I'm your host, Matt Apodaca, and today we're taking a break from Weezer's discography to discuss the second entry in Rivers Cuomo's solo recordings, Alone 2, the home recordings of Rivers Cuomo. Guys, it's just me again. Uh, so if you, you got what I was doing last time with Alone, the first uh, home recordings of Rivers Cuomo, I was, the only, I was the only person on the show. So, you know, he was by himself. So am I. Here, here we are again. So welcome back. If you're, if you're excited about this, great. If you're not, I'm sorry. We'll have a guest uh, for you in, in the next week. Uh, but let's get this one. Let's get this one going, you know? Uh, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of uh, business up top. I don't have any uh, standing, uh, you know, listener questions. I didn't do a call for questions on, on this one, unfortunately. Uh, I just got back. I was traveling. Now here we are uh, in the studio on Memorial Day, dating this. Um, but guys, thank you so much for listening. And I want to say also, before we get started, thank you so much for the support uh, thus far, I've been really appreciating everyone's kind words. I had some fan art recently. Did somebody, uh, I wish I had it in front of me. My phone is charging on the other side of the table. Uh, I, uh, I had a, a, someone make a fan art of a, uh, a bingo card for the show. So uh, go check out the What's With These Homies Talking About Weezer Twitter because I absolutely retweeted it. And uh, thank you so much uh, for making that. Uh, I, I was very moved by it. Um, and I guess just another uh, uh, piece of business before we get started. Um, if you want to, you know, if you're listening to this, you want to submit a question, you can email uh, what's with these homies talking about Weezer at WWTHTA Weezer Pod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WWTHTA Weezer Pod. And, you know, I, I, I try to stay engaged on those uh, social media platforms. So, so why don't you come on out for that? And I guess. That's all my business for today. I'm excited to talk alone to uh, by myself in a in an empty studio, just me. Uh, I hope everyone's having a wonderful week. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Uh, well, I guess with this one uh, for alone to my sort of my history with this album is, I mean, I was sort of going through a like a completionist phase with with Weezer, you know, so I and I still sort of do this anytime I'm at Amoeba or at a record store or something. I try to I go down to the alt rock section and see what's going on in W, you know, and see if there's anything, any singles I don't have. Uh, I like to I like to collect those. But now as I'm getting ready uh, for a move, I have so many things. I'm just like, well, I, why do I have this? Uh, but I'm excited. I ha- I'm happy to have all my Weezer uh, memorabilia, uh, and, and you know, paraphernalia. I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, so this one I got in college, you know, because, uh, I mean, I, I guess it, I was in high school when this came out because it came out in uh, 2008, but I didn't get to it probably yeah, until uh, college, probably like 2010 or so. Uh, and I think in, in my memory, there's a lot of really great stuff on this album. And... I know we're just speeding right along, uh, but we're, we're going to get started with some facts pretty soon. Uh, and in fact, we're going to get through some facts right now. Here's a, uh, uh, here are the facts about Alone 2, the home recordings of Rivers Cuomo. Uh, so Rivers has uh, recorded many, many songs in this lifetime. At, at the time of this uh, album release, uh, it had said to have been at least 800 songs. You know, so this is a lot of he had a lot of material to comb through for the uh, for these albums, and he wasn't sh- quite sure what was going to be on uh, the second Alone record. And so he had a couple different uh, track lists that he uh, got out there. You know, some of these songs are uh, Blue Album demo. Some of these songs are scrapped from uh, songs from the Black Hole. And some of these, you know, were also uh, didn't make the cut for make believe. So you know, it's spanning. I I believe it spans from like ninety two to two thousand, and and, you know, I think that present time. Uh, Let's see, two thousand eight, I believe. Let me see if that's true. Yeah, it it spans from nineteen ninety two to two thousand eight, as far as uh, like when the demos were recorded. So I think that's uh, pretty exciting because it has some of the more like contemporary sounding Weezer songs, not just like. Uh, and no shade to this or whatever, not just Rivers kind of just strumming along uh, in his uh, in his garage. There's there's some actual like sort of more produced uh, little nuggets on this thing. Uh, and I guess he had the idea uh, for these collections many years ago, uh, but uh, was discouraged uh, from putting it out because they didn't want to dilute uh, the Weezer brand. And, you know, if only somebody had been listening to that, 
in in present day. Not saying that there's a, been a dilution, but there's uh, there's certainly a lot of Weezer to go around these days, and I don't think anyone can argue with me on that. Um, apparently, there were some legal issues with this album uh, between Cuomo and Geffen, uh, where uh, I guess the the legal issues were uh, a big part of it because the record company owns all of my demos. This is Rivers talking under Weezer's contract, and my argument was that they weren't Weezer recordings. They're not part of the Weezer record deal. This is my own stuff. I should own this. So we had to negotiate for a long time to reach an agreement as the legal ownership of the records, but we agreed enough that we were able to move forward and put it out. So yeah, that's good. You know, you never. Uh, it's good that <laughs> uh, such a low stakes legal battle could be won. Uh, that's great. Uh, and during the promotional interviews for Alone in 2007, Cuomo mentioned the possibility of re- releasing more demo albums through the Geffen Records, uh, through Geffen Refer- Records, and uh, there was apparently 15 hours of uh, demos uh, that he had ready to go, and that he could get maybe one or two more solid albums out of those 15 hours. Obviously, there's this one after the first one, and then there's Alone 3, which is an exclusive to the Pinkerton Diaries book. If you bought that book, it comes with a, you know, a hard disc of, uh, of Alone 3. And it's the only that album is not streaming anywhere. That I mean, it might be on YouTube, probably like if somebody ripped the songs and put them on YouTube. But otherwise, some of those songs have never been heard before unless you bought that book, which I do have, and we will cover on a future episode. Uh, and then, so the album's cover is a side profile of a young Rivers Cuomo, and the album's cover uh, was uh, taken while Cuomo was in high school for a senior portrait. Uh, Cuomo elaborated on the photo session in an interview with Pitchfork Media. That is a real photo, and there was not an ounce of irony in the room when that photo was taken. Uh, for some reason, I missed the photo session in my high school for my senior portrait, so I had to just go to a photo studio in Willimatic, Connecticut. Uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly. I absolutely did not. Um... I didn't really have any ideas. The guy just did his thing, and this is what he came up with. Uh, but it's on this. It, but it's from the same session as my high school picture. The al- uh, the album, much like the first Alone record, uh, will feature liner notes, feature uh, detailed descriptions, uh, and offered much insight into where Cuomo draws inspiration to write and arrange his music. Specifically, stating the time and dates where songs were written. So. There's a lot of liar notes. There's lengthy liar notes on these songs. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to read all of them as if you as you've heard me uh, flub reading out loud, you know, uh, but we'll, we'll, I'm going to try my best to uh, read through as much of those as I can there. They are quite long, though. Uh, and this album peaked at number 175 on the Billboard 200 the week ending December 13th. So, you know, hey. Don't say uh, Weezer never doesn't get on the charts. They oh boy, do they get on there? Uh, right up to number one seventy five. And you know, I think that's all I got in the way of facts before we start ripping into songs. So how about we get started on this first? This is the earliest I will say. We're jumping right into this. You're listening to this right now, and you're like, Matt's moving through. What's going on? Yeah, I didn't I didn't have any, uh, like I said, I didn't have any business at the top of the show. There are 19 songs in this thing, though, so we have a lot of ground to cover. So why don't we uh, just get moving? I know we're only 10 minutes into the show, and you're freaking out. You're so scared. Uh, but it's fine. We're going to do this together. This might be a shorter one, but we're going to get it. We're going we're gonna to get through it together. Uh, this first song, the first track on Alone 2, is called Victory on the Hill. Uh, and this is an all-trumpet instrumental written and performed by Rivers Cuomo in late 1993. Uh, it's, an all su- uh, it's an all-trumpet sequel. Uh, it's, it's all-trumpet sequel. Defeat on the Hill was written and recorded between uh, touring for the Blue Album in mid-1994. Uh, fun fact, I also played the trumpet. I played it in middle school, so it's something Rivers and I have in common. Uh... If, hey, Rivers, if you're listening, if you ever need somebody to uh, shittily play the trumpet on a song, boy, I got your back. Um, this is a little shorty. You know, it's just a, it's, it's not a whole lot going on here. Uh, it's 50 seconds, and we're about 40 seconds in, and I don't want it to play into the next thing, so I'm going to pause it now. Uh, here's what uh, Rivers had to say about this song. Uh, when, we, when Weezer signed to Geffen Records in June of 1993, I used my cash advance to buy myself a trumpet and a violin and the related instru- instruction manuals. My goal was to gain proficiency on the main orchestra instrument so that I could be a real composer rather than a pop songwriter. I began practicing. 
Two months later, however, Weezer left LA for Electric Lady Studios in New York to record the Blue Album, and I had to leave my new instruments behind. Because I was still excited about becoming a composer, I made sure to keep educating myself while I was in New York. I went to see musicals, uh, Cats and Les Miserables, and uh, during these uh, during the days while the engineer got the mixes together for me to comment on. When I returned to LA in October, I resumed my ventures downtown to see. Essa Pekka's Salonen and, and the Philharmonic Orchestra. I saw the performance of Tchaikovsky's music and other and, and another of Beethoven's Third Symphony. I started practicing my trumpet again. My, by November, I felt competent enough on the instrument to write a little classical piece. I wrote it out on a sheet of manuscript paper using Brian Wilson's technique of keeping the background melodies as static as possible while the main melody jumped around. I recorded a demo of the piece and in the and in the garage and what uh oh, sorry i recorded a demo of the piece in the garage and was amazed at how real the result sounded especially the last three staccato hits i called the piece victory on the hill track one uh for the for no other reason than its triumphant sound I felt I was off to a good start at becoming a classical composer. I wrote out my goals on November 27th, the day Weezer's first concert since before we left to make the album. I kept my journal in Spanish to protect against what I imagined were the curious eyes of my roommates and friends. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know about uh, his proficiency in Espanol. That's fantastic, Rivers. Uh, wow. Uh, you know, hey, something I could learn from you. You learned... Spanish, and I am of Latinx origin, I could be stepping it up. So, I mean, that's a little interesting tidbit. He wanted to learn how to be a quote-unquote real, uh, you know, composer. But as we've heard, this guy's got, he's got chops. He knows what he's doing uh, in the studio. So uh, it's cool that he still thinks there's, uh, there's room to grow and things he could be learning. And I think that's a good message for us all. You know, we could all be learning to better ourselves. The next song... Uh, the next song on Alone 2 is called I Want to Take You Home Tonight. Probably never said in that uh, weird way I just did. I want to take you home tonight And lay you down beside the fire I've never seen your face Uh, so I Want to Take You Home Tonight was written on New Year's Eve in a hotel room while Rivers Cuomo was in, the, in New York City. Having left the party in the streets, Cuomo concluded that fans enjoyed songs that could be sung loudly with enthusiasm. He wrote in his journal that 1,000 keep fishings would never equal a Sayin' so because it lacked said enthusiasm vocally. Hey, I like keep fishing, Rivers. Uh, <laughs> Cuomo then returned to his hotel room and worked out the song. The song was rehearsed by Cuomo as a song in contention prior to entering the studio for the band's fifth album, the so uh, but the song is not known to have been rehearsed by the band as a whole. I really, really love this song. I put this song on, like, uh, I used to put this song on, like, mixes uh, for when I went driving or something. Uh, I think it's a good, I think it's a good tune. Yeah, he's, it's said to have uh, been recorded in 2002. So this was New Year's Eve, to, uh, or, you know, I guess New Year's 2002. Uh, he says he went downhill to a large, uh, to L.A. to attend a large rave. Whoa, Rivers, a rave? Uh, I booked a room in my favorite hotel, The Standard, which was adjacent to the rave, so that I could crash out at the end of, uh, at the, end of the night in whatever state I happened to be. Well, this obviously was, you know, quite some time ago. I don't think... Uh, Rivers is a hard party and drug doing kind of guy, but this guy was going to raves for crying out loud. Uh, he says that his favorite DJ, Paul Van Dyke, was performing. I was all alone, not coming with anyone or not planning to meet anyone there. Everything seemed uh, lined up for a perfect night. Ah, Rivers. Uh, after getting settled in my room, I took the elevator down to the street. Many hundreds of people danced there, packed in, facing the stage. A succession of electronic acts pulsed out. Oh, here we go, guitar solo. Hell yeah, baby. 
Uh, normally, I would love this type of environment. I would stand right in front of the giant speaker towers and let the uh, the bass pummel me, uh, pummel and massage me as I watch the people do their strange dances. Tonight, for some reason, though, I couldn't get into it. I felt like a total outsider. Well, you know what? Not everything's for everyone. We, uh, we're rivers, so I think that's I think that's just fine. This one. I truly do love this song so much. I think it's got such a good, like, classic Weezer sound. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't think you gotta put, I don't think you gotta put down Keep Fishing to pump up Saint Ain't So. Saint Ain't, Ain't So obviously slaps, and I think, yeah, I, I think this song slaps too. And I also think Keep Fishing slaps. So there, three songs that slap. Uh, the next song on. Uh, uh, on Alone 2 is called The Purification of Water. I think this song is so interesting and cool. Uh, here's an overview of the song. Uh, the, the song was originally recorded on January 2nd, 1993, but the only circulating version was recorded in July of that year. Carl has said, you know, Carl Coach, uh, the, uh, or is it Cock? I don't know how you pronounce his name. Uh, uh, Carl has said that the song is possibly never intended for Weezer and that it seemed Rivers never quite felt satisfied with the song. The song was circulating years before its release on Alone 2 and was in mono for, and of very poor quality when compared to the master recording due to the tape being generated and the file having been transcoded. Uh, here's Rivers' liner notes. In the first months of Weezer's existence, I roadied occasionally for my friend Kevin's band, King Size, helping out with the bassist, uh, helping out the bassist with his gear. I was surprised that he wanted me to rub his strings with isopropyl alcohol in between every song of their set, but I did my best to comply, despite my lack of motivation. King Size happened to win a competition to travel, all expenses paid, to Guatemala to perform in front of what we imagined would be a packed arena of screaming fans. I was invited to come along and happily accepted wanting to practice my Spanish and experience a Kerouacian adventure, and perhaps do a little of bass teching too. In on June 18, 1992, the King Size Entourage, including me, flew to Guatemala City. We checked into the, ho the Hotelis Camino Real de Guatemala, where I changed 20 US dollars for 98 quetzals at the, at the front desk. That's wild. Uh, <laughs> that night, we all went to a private party at the local nightclub with about 30 young people who had helped organize the upcoming concert. Kevin sang along, karaoke style, to King Size tape as if it, as it played over the club. This is so cool. As it played over the club sound system, a crowd formed a semicircle around him as he danced, sang, and posed. He was a natural showman, and the crowd went nuts. I was very impressed. What a guitar solo, Rivers. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the... That night, the band and the crew were able to meet some of the girls in the crowd. I met a girl named Alice. Alice didn't speak English, so I was extra stimulated by my interaction with her. I was forced to exercise my Spanish language muscles. Over the next few days, she showed me around the city. She took me to her home, where I was surprised to see her family all together in one room, as did other families in the area. Everyone seemed happy and cozy in spite of the conditions. Alice and I had a great time together, and I noted with pride that I actually seemed to be having more luck than the actual rock stars, none of whom had yet paired off with anyone. The arena concert on the 20th turned out to be a complete bust. For reasons unknown to me, hardly anyone attended the concert, apart from the 30 or so kids who had organized it. The arena looked totally barren. Uh, the next day, well, this, this song's about to end, so I don't want it to bleed into the next thing. Uh, 
The next day, Alice and I said goodbye to each other as the king-size crew returned to L.A. She gave me a tape of Guatemalan band named Garibaldi, which I took with me and listened to a few times, sticking back wistfully on my Latin girlfriend. I, uh, I recognized that the heartache I felt apart from Alice was another good subject for a song. Specifically, I wanted to capture my pessimistic belief that, I, that the love I seek in relationships will always break my heart uh, because all relationships must come to an end. I used a metaphor to stand in for my romantic longing. A thirsty gringo traveling south of the border made sick by the water so he, de- he so desperately seeks. The song was called The Purification of Water. Well, that's actually a really interesting story, Rivers. Yeah, I, you know, you wouldn't think about it as, uh, in those terms, you know, necessarily a thirsty gringo, but uh, I would certainly describe Rivers as a thirsty gringo. Hashtag thirsty gringo, if you agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I really do like that song. I think it's uh, an interesting composition. I don't know much about music, so when I say things like that, I feel uh, like a fraud, but I think uh, no one should at me about it. The next song, oh boy, the next song on Alone 2 is called I Was Scared. Listen to me, I've got to clear the air. There's something I've held way down deep inside all these so this was recorded in 2003, uh, and River says, In May of 2003, I went to my first Vipassana meditation course in the hopes that the technique could melt away the thought patterns that infused my creative process, the self-doubt, the self-criticism, the fear of trying new things, the craving for a reliable formula. One of the first things that came up for me during my second meditation course uh, uh, in June, sitting in the meditation hall for 12 hours a day for 10 days in silence with nothing but my mind and my memories was painful. It was a painful experience I had 15 years earlier. 1986 to 1987, my junior year of high school, was the toughest year of my life in terms of getting hassled, picked on, and bullied. That was the year I had stu- uh, stumbled upon the perfect formula for doing my hair, wash, condition, apply several dabs of Dep Gel, blow dry while scrubbing scalp with palm. Then a heavy coat of Aquanet, extra super hold, and the Jocks did not like it one bit. They also did not like the ripped jeans, spandex chains, spiked wristbands, faux foxtails, and zebra bandanas that my friends and I wore to school every day. Especially, they did not like the music that we liked. Metallica, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Kiss, Scott H., about t- uh, twice my mass, and the others taunted, pushed, and shoved us and made us terrified for our physical safety when we had to walk through the halls in between classes. So this is interesting. This is just about this song is just about being afraid, literally, about uh, the fear of being bullied and ridiculed for who you like to be. And you know what? I think that's uh, and he's saying right now he's just afraid. He's so afraid. I think that's such a relatable message. Obviously, I don't know anyone who wasn't like bullied in high school. I certainly uh, had my fair share of it. Uh, but you know, I think. This is such a different sounding song coming from Rivers. I mean, some of the chorus sounds like Weezer, but like that speaking part of it is very, uh, not strange, but not, it's atypical of what you normally hear from them. That's sort of like a, not, he's not rapping certainly, but he's sort of like a, more of a spoken word into beat. But, um, you know, I think this one's not one of my favorites, but I think it's, I think it's actually pretty uh, interesting. I don't think it's a bad song. It's just not one of my favorite ones. Yeah, so that was I Was Scared. And this next one uh, is a 30-second sound collage from Alone 2 called Harvard Blues. This is attended while Rivers was... Uh, this was recorded while Rivers was attending Harvard University, and it's uh, it's comprised of a phone message from uh, Cuomo's answering machine played at two different speeds, one out of each speaker. Uh, the message was left by a classmate who explains an elaborate assignment using extensive literature jargon. That was Rivers screaming, and the, you know we actually 
purposely segues into the next song. There's not a whole lot to say about that because it's not really a song. It's, you know, uh, so I can't say that I like it. I think it's an interesting inclusion and it's an interesting lead in for the very next song, which is My Brain is Working Overtime. This is one of my favorite Rivers, like, demos, one of my favorite of their, like, of, you know, of his songs. I love it. Uh, This was an early contender for the Green Album, uh, and it almost made it uh, onto Make Believe, uh, a little reworked called Losing My Mind. Uh, And then there was an official version released on the compilation Death to False Metal in 2010, which we'll get to soon. Um... This version uh, is the original demo of the song, and it's quite different from the uh, Songs of 2000 version. Uh, This version is at a slower tempo, and the lyrics are slightly altered, and the melody is different. Uh, And let's see. Oh, this also includes the rare use of the word fuck, which hadn't been used in a Weezer song until this demo, and hadn't been been said until uh, I Love the USA. Which is kind of interesting. You know, Rivers doesn't swear. From the liner notes, uh, it says, uh, It was February 2000 and the catalog growing uh, to 167 entries before, I, assuming he means the catalog of riffs, uh, before I finally had the confidence to play even a handful of the songs for anyone. Weezer's manager came over to my house to hear what I had. And then he heard 92, number 92. He said, that's a hit. And that exclamation was one of the reasons I felt confident enough to get back on the road and in the studio with Weezer. Here we go, guitar solo. I felt like I had finally written something worthwhile after two and a half years of near fruitless labor in a science lab. And for that reason, I felt gratitude for this song. I feel gratitude for this song because this guitar solo fucking rips. I have to, I would love to see like a printout of the catalog of riffs because, uh, yeah, this was number 92 in there apparently. I wonder what the, I mean, I'm sure many of them find, like eventually made it into into uh, Weezer songs, but I, I love this song. And before we get to the next song, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. The next song on Alone 2 is I Don't Want to Let You Go. This song was included on Ratitude. So it's interesting because this, you know, came out a year before, you know, basically a year before Ratitude was released. So they didn't even really let this one uh, cooked that long as a demo. They had it, put it out in this, then let it out as a produced version. I really love the I prefer the demo version though I think this version is so good Uh, Here's what Rivers has to say about it In the summer of 2005, Weezer went to Europe To do a festival run I arrived a few days early in order to spend some time With my half-brother, Gabe, and stepbrothers And... Uh, and, and stepbrother Shannon, uh, both of whom grew up in Germany and have a strong European sensibility, though being American citizens. 
I was always amazed at how different their musical perspective was from, from mine and from anyone else that I knew. It was all about house music for Gabe. As we screamed down the, auto, as we screamed down the Autobahn at 130 miles per hour, he played the latest house hits for me and explained the genre. It's gotta have that beat and some cool riffs. It's gotta have a simple, cool, lyrical phrase that the singer says over and over like that. I couldn't believe that this music was so popular as popular in Europe. It seemed as the Black Eyed Peas or Gwen Stefani in the States. I couldn't believe it was because there was hardly any singing or lyrics. Trust me, said Gabe, this was going to be the biggest hit of the summer. He played a track called The, we- uh, called the Weekend by some unknown to me guy named Michael Gray. It had a jamming beat for sure, but without a strong vocal presence and personality, without many lyrics, I couldn't help but think it was only half a song, and that it was missing the main point of, of connection. I kept an open mind, though, remembering the fact that Weezer's success in America had never translated to Europe. Sure, we'd done all right there, but we'd probably had only one or two gold records in 12 years throughout all of those countries, as compared to multi-millions sold in the U.S. Clearly, I concluded I'd missed something as a writer. My songs couldn't translate beyond the, my border in the way that the songs from some other American writers had. For example, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. When I got back to Connecticut for a short break in the midst of all the touring, I set up a little recording area in my mom's basement, buying a cheesy Casio keyboard and a small Marshall amp that I set my laptop up to record into. I ripped the weekend into my computer, dragged into dragged it into Vegas, chopped out a piece of the beat, made a loop, ran it, played the first chords that came to my mind with a synthy sound on the Casio and started singing, not knowing what I was going to sing about. When I was finished with the demo, I simply muted the loop from the weekend and I was left with my song, I Don't Wanna Let You Go. That's really interesting. And that's a, you know, that one's for the gearheads out there. If you're a gearhead, hashtag gearhead. Uh, yeah, he. I mean, so he, I think, I mean, I say this often, he's a great musician. And so he constructed a song from a song he had heard. He played to a song that he knew and then chopped that song out and then was left with a nice little ditty. I really like that song. As a, I, I prefer this version of it. The, the, the um, what do you call it? The Ratitude version. I think ends, if I remember correctly, ends the album. Is track 10 from Ratitude. Uh, yeah, it is the 10th tra- final track from the standard edition of Ratitude. Um, and I, I, like that, I like that song on that album, but I think I prefer this more stripped down version. I think it sounds a little cooler. The next song on Alone 2 is Oh Jonas. <laughs> So this is a, a little excerpt from Songs from the Black Hole. It's only 26 seconds long. Uh, and here's what Rivers has to say about it. Uh, in 1993, I had spent a lot of time listening to Jesus Christ Superstar. In 94, on the road with Weezer, I listened to Les Miserables, Verdi's Ada, and Puccini's Tosca, uh, Madama Butterfly. You know, Madame Butterfly. Uh, I loved how these works married music and drama and how different characters would sing to each other instead of talk and how the story unfolded through song. I realized that musical drama could be the larger scale composition I wanted to write for Weezer's second record, a new wave influenced rock musical in which I could explore my feelings about relationships, stardom and my life in Weezer. I would call the musical songs from the black hole. I purchased an electro harmonics keyboard and Korg uh, keyboard from center music in Newington, Connecticut, on January 3rd, 1995, and added a sci-fi tone to Weezer's Guitar Crunch. I got excited, now knowing what I wanted to do. I started planning and writing out sketches, music, and songs. To stand for my relationship with Chiba, I... Is he talking about that green stuff? (laughs) You know, weed. I imagine my character named Maria... I imagine a character named Maria, a role which I hoped to be sung by Joan Wasserman of the Dam Builders, though I abandoned the project before asking her. In the liner notes to Alone One, I quoted the opening scene of The Black Hole, in which Maria lets the guys know how she feels about being called a bitch. Next, Maria opens up to Jonas in private. 
and then here's a little excerpt from that. So this is uh, the Black Hole Synopsis Act 1, May 10th. 2126, scene one, the main deck. Jonas tries to call Maria, taking her into the hall. Maria says she loves him. And that's all. I mean, I guess that's all it says. Uh, So that's what what the song is about. Uh, You know, every time I hear one of these uh, songs from the black hole, uh, little excerpts, I want him to just do it. I want them to put it out. I want him to finish it. I don't think it stands up to... Uh, 2019. Uh, but hey, rework it to be uh more um, you know, or less problematic rather, and then put it out there because I think the songs are interesting and I think the premise is interesting. Uh, this next song on Alone Two is called "Please Remember." This is another little shorty from. Uh, Songs from the Black Hole. Yeah, it's a 37-second song. This is leading on from Maria's feelings in Oh Jonas. Jonas pleads with Maria to remember that he's only a friend and that he can't possibly settle down with her, just like he says, and you won't get with me tonight. Maria is attempting to change Jonas's mind here, who, you know, he eventually does. You know, uh... And it says, Carl has since divulged that the song uses back and forth dialogue between Jonas and Maria, much like who you call him, bitch. So, you know, I don't know if that's such a big secret to divulge, but that's something uh, I guess there have been. I mean, we did cover it on this show, but I would like to piece together. I would love to see this up on its feet. You know, Um, I don't know if anyone's attempted to do it before. I don't know if there's necessarily even a, a full script available to put up, but I would love to see this at some point in my life. Uh, this next song is also from uh, Songs from the Black Hole. It's called Come to My Pod. And this is a duet between Jonas and Maria continuing their earlier conversation. Here, Jonas disregards his desire for true love and succumbs to his intense lust for Maria. Additionally, Maria is somewhat of a tease and makes it all too easy for Jonas to fall for her charm. Well, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, (laughs) Gladly, he makes love with Maria in her private pod on the spaceship. The demo and only recording of this song was leaked onto the internet, a short song at at one and a half minutes long. It features acoustic guitars, sparse drumming, and some synthesizer. The uh, Electronic Music Laboratory's Electrocomp 101. If you want to, we'll sniff glue. I mean, those three songs that we just heard from Songs from the Black Hole, uh, you know, not a whole lot to say about if they're good or not. It, it, it certainly, they, I mean, I've said it so far already. I would like to hear what they sound like as whole ideas. They're all sort of half ideas. They're barely finished songs. Uh, so, can't, yeah, can't say much to their uh, quality. But, you know, I, it, I will say that they're, they're interesting enough for me to want to hear more. Uh, the next song <laughs> is a cover of uh, the Beach Boys. You know, this song was written by Brian Wilson, covered by, uh, or, you know, excuse me, it was written by Brian Wilson and Roger Christian of the Beach Boys. Uh, here's Rivers covering it. It's called Don't Worry Baby. So this was recorded in 1993, uh, and River says, I had zeroed in on the kinds of melodies and chord progressions that I loved uh, the most. One reason for this was my discovery of the Beach Boys and the Beatles music. Uh, well, what a discovery. Uh, I had discovered the Beach Boys Pet Sounds album in a shop called Record Surplus in, on Pico Boulevard near the Weezer House in West L.A. I had gone there looking for a class, for a classic album to buy and be influenced by. So this guy... Went to a record store, was like, influence me, and it did. 
Uh, <laughs> I narrowed down the selection to Pet Sounds on the first or the first Led Zeppelin album. God, can you imagine a Led Zeppelin-influenced Weezer album? Uh, <laughs> uh, I narrowed it down. Uh, to Pet Sounds or the first Led Zeppelin album without knowing much about either album or either artist, and then for some reason chose Pet Sounds. But for that choice, my life could have turned out very differently, for Pet Sounds came to have a great influence on my writing and singing, and Pet Sounds led me to all the other Beach Boys and Beatles albums. I mean, that is very interesting. I mean, Beach Boys is definitely the Weezer choice there. I can't imagine... uh, and this is no shade to Led Zeppelin. I can't. I mean, I know he was like a big guitar, you know, uh, hair metal guy. Not that Led Zeppelin is that. I just can't picture him listening to uh, Led Zeppelin and then thinking that this was what he was gonna do. Uh, one day in March, I sat down in my bedroom, just transcribed uh, the five-part vocal harmonies to the Beach Boys' Don't Worry Baby, then moved to the garage and recorded a quick demo of the song, Weezer style, with crunchy, with crunchy downstroked guitars. I loved the oblique motion in the main melody line moving around within the more static background melodies. Yeah, I think it's such a great cover. It sounds so cool. And, you know, something I've said here before, too, is that they're able to, you know, I know they have a covers a covers album that's not very interesting, but I think he does. They they have a, a good ear for covers that work for them, and I think this is one that really does. And also, I mean, it's just hard to hear a Beach Boys song and not think it's good. Uh, it's they're just great. I think his voice sounds really good on this song. Uh, the next song on Alone 2 is called The Prettiest Girl in the Whole Wide World. So we got a little taste of this the other day, or, you know, a couple weeks ago on the Ratitude episode. So this is from uh, River's Diary. Uh, it says, man, what an amazing summer. I'm sad now. I'm leaving Taipei, leaving Asia, leaving the insanity, the girls, the epic battles, the crews. But it's time to work again. It's time to be alone and to produce. I want to produce like a monster now. No more slacking, napping. My body's really crashing now. Finally, from lack of sleep, caffeine, drinking, stress, and foreign bacteria, I'm having dizzy spells, paranoia, and a fear of fainting and of enclosed spaces. Soon, I'll be reading and writing, writing and recording some, writing and recording songs, playing piano, and playing soccer alone. These guys in Weezer have been good friends. We're more of a team now. Pinkerton is over. The last part is in all caps. So this song almost made, it was considered for the Green Album and it didn't make the final cut. Uh, but like I said before, it eventually did make it onto the the, uh, the bonus version, uh, or not the bonus, the deluxe version of Ratitude. Uh, I think this is such an incredible song. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite demos and uh, every time I hear it, I just think it's so, so great. I just love it's so I mean there's so there's obviously uh, different instruments going on here but I just think this song is so it's just so good uh, there's just like it just sounds so simple uh, I just love the way the guitar sounds on this thing and man I just it, it just rules I'm gonna let it play right to the next song which is can't stop partying Can't stop partying, partying. 
so I don't know if I like any version of this song, honestly. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't think it's a good song. Um, it says here, on September 10th, 2007, yikes, uh, Jermaine Dupree sent me a demo of a song he had started writing, Can't Stop Partying. He also sent me his number to discuss where we could take the song. I gave him a call. He told me that he had noticed that the rock world and the hip-hop world were really the same. Yeah. And they were both all about partying. They wanted to write a, he wanted to write a song and to find the artist to cover that song to show the unity between these two apparently desperate worlds. He thought Weezer was the perfect artist. I thought about it long and hard. I had been a great admirer of Jermaine's songs, especially Mariah Carey's We Belong Together, which had been a big influence on my recent composition, Heart Songs. And I loved the demo he sent me of, I Can't, of Can't Stop Partying. It was so fun and catchy. The music sounded a little cheesy to me, like generic punk rock, and worst of all, the lyrics were clearly a celebration of drinking and drug taking. Interesting, because it seemed like earlier, Rivers, you were at a rave, so which is it? Do you do you balk at the, the drinking and drug taking lifestyle, or do you participate? Hmm. Well, you know, there's different phases for each, so I think either one is fine. Uh... He could he 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 says he couldn't sing about that without any qualms though. That's kind of interesting. More like Rivers Qualmzo. Don't stop listening, please. Um, I tried to expand the lyrics to make them more in line with my values. That's when I realized that the true genius Jermaine is. His lyrics seem, had seemed so simple to me, as if any seventh grader could have written them. This is rude. Uh, but when I tried to write a second verse, I couldn't manage to write anything one tenth as good as his first verse. So that started off as a little rude, but then he, uh, then he got back on board and was uh, was complimented Jermaine. Uh, I don't, yeah, that song just doesn't work for me. Uh, I don't know. There's, I mean, it, there is something to be said about uh, the similarities between both rap and hip hop. Um, you know, it's. I don't know if Rivers uh, is the right person to vocalize it, nor am I. Uh, but it's it's you know. I don't think that song is good. And that's not that's not my fault. That's not anyone's fault. If you love Can't Stop Partying, hashtag keep the party going. The next song is called Paperface. So we just played this song on uh, the, the rarities, during the B-sides and rarities episode that we did. But this is a demo of it. This is a little more stripped down. Uh, here's what Rivers has to say about it. Uh, he said, when I first read Brian Wilson's autobiography, Wouldn't It Be Nice, in 1993, I strongly identified with the author's sense of self-doubt, creative struggles, and passion for music. I, I particularly in identified with his words, my whole life since I discovered music has been about only one thing, about experiencing the sheer, pure, unencumbered, liberating happiness of the creative moment. His words seemed to describe my life perfectly at the time, but now, 15 years later, I see that my life has been about something else in addition to experiencing the happiness of the creative moment. It's also been about learning how to achieve those creative moments. It's been about learning what to do and what not to do. A year before I read Wilson's book, I had already postulated a few essential ingredients to a great song for me. A great song should have the aggressive performance style I had heard recently from the Pixies, Nirvana, and Sonic Youth. It should employ the soft verse and loud chorus song structure used in songs like Gigantic or Teen Spirit, and it must have a captivating lyrical subject. My best friend Justin told me a juicy new rumor about Amy Moore, a classmate of ours from high school. Apparently, Amy had stolen a car, sped off to New Orleans, and gotten herself arrested. I couldn't believe it. Amy was one of the sweet, sweetest, not to mention prettiest girls in our school. The, st the story sounded like it was a straight off of a Sonic Youth album cover. Whether or not, or whether any part of it, or any part of it was true or not, I, st I stirred up some conflicting feelings in me. On the one hand, I wanted to live as Amy apparently had, following my impulses and blasting away at the feeling of inauthentically in my life. On the other hand, I wanted to live conservatively and have a stable family and keep my life structured so that I couldn't so I could get the most out of it. The conflict between these my desires seemed to be the compelling subject I had needed. So I put it together along with the details of Amy's story in a song called Paperface. Uh, and then there's a footnote here 
River says, Recently I corresponded with Amy via email and learned that she did steal a car years ago and did drive off drive the car to New Orleans, but she never shot a cop and she gave the car away to the first guy to beg a sandwich off of me. I, this is one of my favorite songs uh, from uh, this time uh, of theirs. I, I love this demo and I love the produced version of it too. I think Paperface is a great song. The next song, I'm Alone 2, is called Walt Disney. This was recorded in January 1995. The lyrics of the song make reference to the urban legend that Walt Disney was placed in suspended animation upon his death. He said, uh, River says, I tried to describe the frozen, numb condition I had fallen into after seven months in the spotlight on the road. The song had a beautiful, mellow sound. I really appreciated it and was grateful to it. I did capture, it did capture the state of my life at the time. Rivers has said that phone singing line in the third verse was a stand-in for Weezer's manager calling him to go over the details of the impending tour, which he dreaded. sound from uh, from rivers uh, I don't know what I necessarily compare it to but I think it's very interesting uh, I do like this song uh, I think uh, I, I sort of do understand the idea of wanting to be or you know feeling like you're sort of uh, stalled in a moment in time uh, and wanting to push through it um, much like he's singing about here and I wonder if that is true. I don't think that is true, right? I mean, if it's an urban legend, it's, it certainly couldn't be true, right? If it's not something that... Uh, I mean, urban legend means unconfirmed, I suppose. I wonder. I just wonder... If he... Why would it just be Walt? You know what I mean? Like, if this is the only... Per we've only ever heard this about Walt Disney, that he's been in suspended animation. Why wouldn't it... So he's the only person that's ever done this, or is it an option for people? Because I don't think I think that's the thing about the rumor that uh, doesn't make sense to me is that more people would be doing this. I hope nobody bad. The next song on Alone Two is called "I Admire You So Much." This was recorded September 5th, 2001. Hmm, a simpler time. It's only 46 seconds long. It's like a little love note, sort of. It's uh, He says, a year and a half later, on May 15, 2001, with a total of 286 entries in the catalog of riffs, the Green Album was released. I was still racked with self-doubt and bothered by external criticisms that the album wasn't as good as the earlier albums and that the new songs all sounded the same. At the same time, I was encouraged in my empirical approach to creativity because of the commercial success of the album and its subsequent tours and the fact that I seemed to have emerged from Weezer as a star personality. I therefore continued anxiously with my experiments and the catalog of riffs. On September 5th, I conducted experiment number 333. 
333. I don't know why I said it that way. Uh, the method being concept, uh, which is in parentheses, he says, I-A-E-V-C, which is uh, Incipit Melody Guitar Development T. Uh, I-A-E-V-C was an acronym which stood for an intellectually acquired emotionally volatile concept. It meant that rather than waiting to be overwhelmed by a feeling to write about, I would calmly seek... I would, I would commonly seek my uh, search my mind for a subject which I knew had the potential to inspire emotion in me. I would then compose the incipit, the opening lyric, uh, which was the seed of the idea, the main thrust of the lyric, then write the melody, start strumming the guitar, and continue developing the lyric, melody, and guitar from there freely. And all throughout the experiment, I would be sipping a cup of tea with half and half. That's I love. That's actually so. We've talked about process before. I'm very interested in process. And his process as of now is sort of it sort of eludes me. I know we talked about it a bunch and uh it's 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 been mentioned many times as spreadsheet and uh this copy paste method, but this seems more normal to me uh cuz you're obviously not going to be feeling everything you could possibly feel all at once, but you want to write songs about the way you feel and the ways you have felt. So this seems like a good access point for that, and I I respect that. Hey, this song was called I Admire You So Much. Hey, Rivers, I admire that. Before we get into the next, the last few songs from this album, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're down to the final few songs. Let's keep it going. This next one is called My Day Is Coming. So this was recorded in 2006 in a Japanese mega mall recording studio while Cuomo was on honeymoon in Japan. And it is apparently an ode to the U.S. men's soccer team. Cuomo had wanted to go to the 2006 FIFA World Cup and called the U.S. Soccer Federation to ask them for tickets. They gave him tickets but asked him to write an anthem for the U.S. men's national team. Cuomo didn't have time to follow through with the request until after the team had lost in the first round. The press after the team's poor performance in the World Cup, Cuomo ended up, have, ended up writing a song filled more with despair than triumph. I don't think I knew that this song was written for a soccer team, uh, but I do think this song is beautiful. It is very, um, it sounds, it's, it, there's something about the sadness of how it sounds uh, that it, that really speaks to me. Of course, he wrote a song later called Represent, which is another ode to the U.S. men's soccer team. So, as we know, River's our boy. He loves soccer. I'm also having a fun time uh, picturing Rivers on his honeymoon being like, we got to go to this mall so I can write this song for a soccer team. Can't imagine that going over well, but maybe he had the support from his adoring wife. Uh, This next song is called Cold and Damp. So 
So this song was recorded in 1999, and uh, this is an example of a songwriting style that Rivers calls the arbitrary progression distortion open strum into melody arrange. Uh, kind of clunky. Uh, but what he means by that uh, is that it's produced somewhat oasis. Uh, this song's, well, I guess what he means, let's see what he says here. He says in his liner notes, I mean, he, the, the way he describes this, uh, this style of writing songs is that it sounds a little like Oasis and has a looping bar chords and bluesy solo. Uh, there's got to be a better example of it. And he has, he has this thing called the Encyclopedia of Pop, but of course it's not quite finished or like it, it has uh, just different songwriting techniques that he has in it uh, or things that he's observed. This apparently was uh, experiment number experiment number 49 in the catalog of riffs. Uh, and then he wrote the song in an attempt to depersonalize his songwriting and described it as an effort to sound like Oasis. And it does sound kind of Oasis-y. Uh, he says that the lyrics to the song don't mean anything. Uh, on a conscious level, they just came out of my mouth automatically in reaction to the sound of the guitar chords. The melody I, I loved. Overall, the song had a song, a strong appeal for me, and it worked on it for quite a while. And so that brings us to our final song on Alone 2. This is one of my favorite. Uh, I mean, I've said that quite a bit, but I truly, really do love this song. I love a lot of the songs in this thing. Uh, this final one is called I'll Think About You. Here's what Rivers has to say in the liner notes. Uh, since late 1992, through many of the difficult days of planning or of playing the clubs in LA with Weezer, Jennifer Chiba, that's the Chiba he was talking about, great, had been my kind of girlfriend. I had benefited greatly from her care, and yet I had always kept my heart hard to her, believing that if a Weezer, if Weezer did make it, I would want to be free for the many superior options I imagined would be available to me. Jesus Rivers. Uh, now, in the summer of 1994, as Weezer has, was uh, indeed starting to make it, Chiba said she would resist me because of my refusal to commit. But whenever Weezer came through town, I called her up looking for a place to stay because I was no longer renting an apartment, and she gave in, letting me into her heart and home. In mid-July, when Weezer came to L.A. to record some B-sides, Michael and Carly, Suzanne, and my Eveline, I stayed with her. We had an argument. She wanted... More commitment, and I wanted continued freedom. At the end of the work period, I flew back to my mom's house in Connecticut, and on July 14th, wrote a song called "I'll Think About You," that I hoped captured the pain and conflict of my situation with Chiba. I was glad the song had a few, had a few cynical, even sinister lines. You know, I loved playing with you know, or you know, I loved playing with you and Ten Girls Under My Shoe, undercutting the happy sing-songy vibe of the music that I loved the high vocal melody, doubled by the organ and af after the second chorus. I really do, yeah. I mean, content aside, I love the sort of darkness in this song. 
in and the sing-songy nature of it, it just is it it has the potential to be sweet if it wasn't so mean. You know what I mean? Uh, I love his voice on this part of it too. This is sort of classic rivers for me. And that's that's the end of Alone 2, everyone. So thank you so much for listening. I, I hope you found some new songs on this thing that you loved. And if you had heard these before, I hope you got to hear some of your old favorites. Uh, this, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited. I'm always excited to hear uh, the sort of, you know, uh, how songs started and how songs came to be. And... With with these ones we heard here today, uh, a lot of these ended up becoming uh, songs on albums or songs that we heard uh, later on. But some of them just are are as as is. And I think, like yeah, we've never heard another version of Walt Disney or some of these other songs. And I think I think I'd love. To, I mean, I would love to hear uh, like full band versions of a lot of these songs. But I don't know if the the Weezer we have right now is the Weezer to do it. But I think uh, yeah, a lot of these stand up and I think are uh, are great songs just the way they are so uh, I hope you enjoyed them as well uh, as I said at the, at the top of the episode you can uh, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at WWTHTA Weezer Pod uh, you can also email us at WWTHTA Weezer Pod at gmail.com uh, and you can follow me on Twitter, and Instagram at Matt Apodaca. and hey if you're in LA uh, I don't mention this often uh, but I, I am on a house team at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Uh, you can see me and my Herald team pony uh, do uh, improv every every week at the theater. We're usually up on a Monday or a, a Thursday or a Friday night. So uh, check the schedule for that. Yeah, uh, we we have a lot of good show, uh, a lot of a lot of fun out there. It's me uh, and people uh, people you would recognize from UCB. Uh, Sean Distance on my team. Uh, if you're a fan of Sean Distance, uh, and I mean as everyone should be uh it's me sean distant malin von euler hogan uh kathy yamamoto rose o'shea jake sprague oscar montoya and kale hills we're a pony baby come check us out and uh that'll be it for this week's uh what's when he's always talking about weezer we'll be back next week see you guys bye if you'd like to support the show, you can go on iTunes and give us five stars and leave us a nice little review. We'd really appreciate that. If you'd like to support the show monetarily, you can go to anchor.fm slash wwthtaweezerpod slash support. There's monthly contribution options if you'd like to help keep the lights on for the show. And all your support means a lot. Thank you so much. <laughs>